Oh, man, you're wearing your Van Halen shirt. Got to represent, dude. Rip Eddie. You want to start this one? Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We are your host, Stephen Craig. And Parker Doman. This is episode 246. So Apple has a new iPhone coming out. Or is it out already? Well, they, they announced it today. Oh, okay. Well, they announced the specifications of it today. I mean, everyone knows it's been coming out for a while. Ah. So, so what, why is that on our notes? <laughs> typically, we don't talk about consumer electronics. We, we, we typically don't. And, and there's, there, so it's, I've probably mentioned this before, but I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of Apple. Um, and, and because they do some odd things, and, and there, there's something I want to talk about specifically with this release. Uh, so this iPhone 12 does not come with a charger in the box. Uh, so you get a phone and you do not get a charger. And actually, technically, it also does not come with earbuds. But th- that's like a, okay, whatever kind of thing. Does it have a speaker still? I don't know. I mean, I would think so. Like, I think that's something that they would. Now is it just transmitting the <laughs> waves directly into your Elon Musk neural link implant? Buy more Apple all day, every day. Buy Teslas. <laughs> So yeah, so the new iPhone th- does not come with a charger, and and Apple's official statement on this has to do with uh, environmental reasons, effectively saying that you know uh, I I think the argument is effectively there's enough chargers around and we don't need to provide them. So and, basically, yeah, what they're saying is everyone's got like eight zillion of these in that junk drawer in your kitchen. Correct. <laughs> which, which I think is, which is probably true because I, I started after I read that article that it doesn't come with a charger. I was like, really? And then I started thinking, I was like, how many of how many wall bricks do I have lying around? And how many have I purchased because I was like, I went on vacation and I forgot one or blah blah blah. All, all the reasons I'm like, man, I probably have a ton of them. I have an entire box down here that is full of just those things things of that sort so i think that's totally in in that sense that's actually totally reasonable to say like yeah we do we really need to just create more e-waste by providing uh or providing a charger guaranteed with it i've i've bought phones and gotten a new charger and still had the charger from my previous phone and Mm -hmm. it still works you know i've had that probably multiple times yeah when you actually trade in a phone you don't have to trade in the accessories you have for it Right. And I, and actually, I think that's that's where you kind of hit something on the head there. The charger is considered an accessory, right? It's not critical to the function of the device, or is it? Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, given that smartphones only last a day on a charge, maybe two days, depending on the model. And usage. I mean, if you're only planning to use the phone for two days, then yeah, sure. Right, then it's an accessory, right? Yeah, just spend eight hundred dollars <laughs> every two days. Then, bam, you're done. <laughs> Never have to charge your phone ever. <laughs> well, okay, so I, I thought I thought we might play a fun little game, uh, and 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 this game is what other products uh, can you purchase that do not come with a critical piece of equipment to function. Printers and that stupid USB B cable. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, also, well, and and I, I think you could probably find some printers out there that don't come with ink. I would not be surprised. Maybe. Most of them, most of them do, but I would not be surprised if you could find some. 
Maybe. So, so I put down uh, video game consoles because you can buy a video game console without a video game. And, and I, would, I would make an argument that that's critical for it to function. Especially older, oh, older ones. At least new ones at least boot up and like you could go to the, the digital store or whatever and get a game. Right. And some of them have free games now. On digital stores, so sure, but sure. but but no, I would agree. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. That's a good. That'd be a good one. So so I bought a dishwasher not that long ago, and um, it it uh, guaranteed did not come with the uh, the correct connections or any connections, I should say, for for actually install installing it. So I think I would also make an argument that it came without things that were critical to its function. Uh, I've never bought a washing machine, clothes washers. That had everything. Usually, you have to buy the hoses for the hookups, and then whatever electrical plug. Because some, you know, you have three wire or you have four wire. Right. Right. Um, in the United States, so um, even though most of the those want you to put a four wire on it, and you're like, nah, I can put a three wire on it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, because that, that's weird. Because yeah, you. To use a washing machine, you need to be able to get water into it. So technically, I guess you could toss buckets into it <laughs> before you started it. <laughs> but um, having a water hookup, they do come with the drain, though. That's weird. Because they always had the drain hose, but they never had the fill hoses. I think I think what we are describing here is, is a little bit more of um, uh, these are installation-based things that are uh, they don't provide them because they're unique to your case. Could be. Whereas yeah. a charger is not necessarily unique to your case, unless that's but that's your install on for your dresser by your bed. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. That's the cable that's plugging into the wall into your phone. And and your installation may be different than mine, right? It's. I'm hoping it's the same <laughs> thing that plugs into the wall in a six foot cable. <laughs> how about how about an internet router? Um, may not come with an Ethernet cable, so it is, uh, or or the uh, or the uh, coax cable. Uh, so that would be, I think you could make an argument that that's critical for it to run. Yeah, that's also installation based too, though. Right. But uh, my last Xfinity box came with. Actually, that's one thing I can give props with Comcast is when you get one of their install kits, it actually has everything. Yeah, like legit everything. Yeah, it has everything you need. Um. I think, I think actually it's, uh, out of that list, video game console might be the only thing that's legitly not part of like an install of a thing. Right, could be unique, though. It's like you get six foot hoses for your washing machine, and then you can pretty much put that anywhere. Yeah, so it's like you don't buy unique hoses; like the fittings are all standardized. So that you what you think they could provide it with the hoses. Yeah, they could provide it with the hose. Because, like, you're not going to buy, like, you don't, okay, most people don't need, like, a 50-foot hose to hook up their washer and dryer. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so I think I think what that's coming down to is it's somewhat strange to, to purchase something and not get a critical item with that thing for its function. Especially a phone. I yeah. would say that, yeah. Yeah. But I do kind of agree with their... Now, I bet you that wasn't the original reasoning. Some executive did not say, we need to reduce e-waste in the world, so we're not going to include chargers. 
No, it was an executive saying, hey, we need bigger bonuses, so let's not put chargers in there <laughs> and cut out you know, $5 out of our bill of materials. I, well, and, and I think one of, the, one of the things about that is um, that maybe points towards that direction is that they, they did ax the bill of materials. They did ax out the, uh, the charger and earbuds, but the price doesn't seem to change. Uh, so, you know, I, it, maybe it would be different if they were like, hey, we've reduced it by $15 because we don't, we're not supplying the charger. Well, that doesn't, hasn't really now, happened. Now, if they really wanted to go down that route, then the iPhone should show up at your door or you pick it up at the iPhone store or whatever, and it comes in a plain cardboard box. Or they just hand it to you. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, because because I know I, I uh, iPhones have really fancy packaging. It's that premier experience of unboxing, right? Oh yeah, and uh, that that all goes into the garbage like immediately. Yeah, it's like quickly. two pounds of packaging right in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so that is definitely some PR spin. I think so, I, and I bet you more manufacturers are going to do it. Maybe, maybe, but but I'm also kind of like, who else in the world, what other company could sell you a, a luxury, I'm doing very heavy quotes here, luxury item like that, that doesn't, that is literally incapable of functioning the way you purchase it. Like, it will function for a few hours, and then you are boned. Well, you also have to get a um, SIM card, too. Do you? I don't. I guess technically you could use it over Wi-Fi. You're right. You could use it over Wi-Fi. Well, I mean, whenever you go and actually purchase, well, okay. So it depends on where you purchase it. If you purchase it at a uh, at a phone store, they, they they install that. So you're well, yeah. Because I bought my because I I have a Google Pixel two. I bought it straight from Google. So like it technically can only connect to Wi-Fi when I first got it. I had to go and put a SIM card in it. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, but mine came with a charger. As do almost all other phones. <laughs> No, actually, the last phone I got, I, I purchased it, and I never once even used the charger it came with because I, I do wireless chi charging or however you say that. I can't remember. Uh, and, and I prefer that a lot uh, as opposed – you know, it's really funny too because with this, this phone, I purchased it, um, and I have pretty much never used the USB-C port on it um, because I just – from day one, I was doing wireless charging. My USB-C port does not work. I've – Probably in the life of this phone, which is a year and a half, I think, I've probably plugged in uh, USB maybe 15 times, maybe 20 times, and it doesn't work. <laughs> like, huh. And, and, and it's just, I don't know, it's confusing to me. I mean, it, it takes a lot of wiggling to get it to work. It's like, this thing should be brand new. Oh, okay. So what I've noticed, because I plug mine in like three times a day. Yeah. And it still works. And I've had it for... Do you have to get all the belly button lint out of it? That is what's in there. So yeah. get some tweezers and pull that stuff out because for some reason when they we had micro USB, you know, it's a slightly smaller profile, lint didn't really get in there. Yeah. But the USB type C it's got a slightly bigger opening that's like optimal for collecting lint. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to see if I have any uh if I have some tweezers on my desk here so I can go and excavate some As crud I talked about my, So we're talking about charging and batteries so yeah. that's a very good segue into my topic oh go for it um physicists build circuit that generates clean limitless power from graphene mm. and so i saw that title i'm like 
how much bullshit is going to be in this article. I mean, from the name of it, it's just it's going to be a stinky one. Oh yeah. So the article itself is from Psy.org. Uh, um, I don't know anything about Psy.org or anything about them. Um, how reputable they are. That's but I did just basically I, I used that and went straight to the paper that was published by the University of Arkansas physicists. And so what is going on here is this so this sounds legit in terms of what the physicists are doing, not that title. Okay. Cuz it's not it's not a perpetual motion device at all. Well, I mean, from that title, it kind of sounds perpetual. Sounds like it, yes. Yeah. But my also favorite is like the when it says clean in there as well. It's like, I mean, you still got to build this thing. So this is what the thing is, okay? Is the researchers are, this is like a research group that like just looks at graphene, okay? And they've been experimenting with the material. And then notice that, so what graphene is, is a matrix of carbon, um, carbon uh, atoms that are in one plane so that it's like one atom thick matrix yeah of uh just a sheet of atoms yeah it's a sheet it's actually like the most 2d thing you can make is like a sheet of graphene right because it actually <laughs> so. only has one dimension like two dimensions well how, the thickness of an atom is the third dimension yeah yeah sure. yeah um so what they found where they were messing around with this material and they decided to to suspend it in the air right and they noticed that it kind of it like because it's just a sheet of atoms and atoms like to move around because of um uh thermal their thermal energy right they just kind of randomly move around they jiggle yeah they yeah they jiggle around um it's, i think it's called um brownian motion um is what that this is by the way I'm going to mess something up in this explanation for this thing <laughs> because I am not a physicist, and I the last physics class I took was uh, over a decade ago. Uh, a decade ago at this point. Yeah. Um, so Brownian motion, which is thermal thermal motion, which is just basically the thermal energy of atoms just wanting to move around. Okay. So, anyways, you have a sheet of this stuff, and that motion makes it kind of wave. Okay. Oh, almost like a trampoline or a flag or something like that. Yeah, I, I, they don't really explain exactly what it is, but to me, it sounds like it basically gets into this, um, resonance frequency. Hmm. That's at least what in my when I was reading it, that's what I came to is like basically you got this thing that's just like randomly moving around, and it eventually starts resonating at whatever the thermal frequency is. Hmm. Um, that's just my guess. I, that could be completely wrong. Anyways, they they um, were like, okay, we got this thing that's oscillating. Oh, what's also oscillating? Alternating current. And so they put two charge plates um, up, uh, sandwiching that 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 um, graphene sheet, and then that oscillating sheet in there, graphene sheet, induces a charge on those plates. Oh, okay. Be, be, in a, because it's in between the E field that's between the two plates, effectively. Yeah. So it's a graphene sheet inside of a capacitor, effectively. Yes, exactly. Okay. And so as that thing's oscillating in there, it induces a uh, a uh, alternating uh, potential and current into your circuit, 
and you can get power. So think of this. So people uh, like saw that and were like, oh, limited power from like thermal energy. It's like think about it more like a piezo element where if piezo is vibrating, you can get electricity from it because you're taking motion out of something else and turning into electrical energy. So what this is doing is taking the thermal energy of graphene and turning it into electrical engine energy. So it's taking the energy around it, basically the thermal heat and turning it into um, electrical energy energy. And it's a basically like, it's like energy harvesting, like super optimal, I guess. Hmm. Cause like you're bypassing, like trying to convert motion and stuff like that. You're like going straight to like, just the atoms, I guess. We're going around. It's interesting. It's a a different form of pyroelectricity, isn't that? Uh, you're you're creating energy from heat. Yeah, pyroelectricity is a, a property of certain crystals which are naturally electrically polarized and as a result contain large electric fields. I'm reading Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. Here, uh, that basically uh, you can induce a charge. Uh, based off of uh, heat differentials across. Yeah, so that's that's a different, completely different kind of mechanic that this is using. Right, because this is actually, this is moving in an E-field uh, yeah. based off of heat. Yeah. Interesting. And, and um, well, heat in quotes, it's the thermal motion of the electrons, which is not really, I guess it maybe it might be, I don't know what the classical physicist example of what heat is i think just heat is like more thermal energy right Mm -hmm. yeah okay okay right but yeah i I just thought it was very interesting that like um i guess what you say limit okay so one qualifier is you could say it's limitless power just from the fact that as long as that graphene sheet exists like it's intact inside of whatever this thing's built into and you haven't hit like absolute zero then it will continually draw energy out of its environment and make electricity. Also, graphene is incredibly uh, efficient at uh, thermal conductivity, and I believe also electrical conductivity too, which which probably makes sense as to why it would be good at this. Yeah. It is. I, it is it, uh, it's probably, you can probably make any really thin sheet of material that's that can induce in an E field, right? It's just probably graphene is probably easier to make. Uh, I I don't know the answer to that because I think it would be it would depend on its uh, ability to conduct, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. It, if if something if a material is moving around in the e, and it can influence an E field, hmm. technically that would work in this application. It doesn't have to be graphene. It could be, you know, iron. Right, but graphene's probably one of the best <laughs> things to yeah. use in this case. Graphene's probably and yeah. probably one of the easier ones because I think you can make graphene by like with scotch tape, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just keep sticking it together and pulling it apart and eventually you get it. I think it's like you put it on carbon and then you peel it off and like that's one yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just keep doing that. I can't remember I, I watched a video not that long ago, but you you have to do it a certain number of times and then there's a some percent chance that you have a one atom layer thick. Hmm. And it's just, it's, it's funny because like legitimately that's how a lot of labs make it is just <laughs> Scott. Scott tape. Tape. Yeah. I, I worked, uh, I worked actually at a church with a guy who was a research 
uh, he did, I can't remember exactly what research at Rice University in Houston. And um, he, he worked a lot with graphene. And he told me, he's like, yeah, a lot of times that's how we make it because it's just, it costs nothing and it takes just a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. Now getting it off the scotch tape is kind of hard. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so because it's kind of sticky. Yeah. I think you have to just basically, you have to use chemical processes to get it Oh, off. dissolve the Yeah, the just tape. dissolve the tape. That's interesting. I, you know, I, it, it always bothers me when um, uh, you get clickbait titles like that because the second I see that, I want to immediately just say, like, everything yeah. next is garbage. It's garbage or disregard it because it's just going to be perpetual energy, you know, thermal law, dynamic, violating crap. Yeah. But no, you actually go to the paper, read it, and it's like, okay, this is what it's actually doing. Um, yeah, it's basically just... You know, they're they're basically making a very efficient um, thermal pump, basically. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just taking energy; it's just taking heat from one spot and moving the work somewhere else. Right. Well, uh, doing a, a small scale efficient conversion of energy. Yes. I you know I I, I would be I would be curious to see, um, like how. How efficient is this, and how large can you make it? I mean, is this something that's just going to be uh, that is possible, but it's like uh, limited by size, or is this something that like eventually you could have? I don't know, some kind of large power generation based off of this. Because technically, you could do this with like a piezo, but you have to like you know continually vibrate it. And piezos, well, they're ceramic devices. Yeah, the kind of almost it's a piezo is a quote scaled up version because thermal energy on a mi- on a micro scale is just vibrations right right and then a piezo is taking mechanical vibrations into electricity um it's just the the graphene is just way more efficient at doing this than the piezo ever will be because it's lighter and um, no, hell of a lot smaller yeah hell of a lot smaller yeah. but um until i start seeing some like i didn't really see any power ratings of like what how much like what the power density of something like this could be um I, there might be something in the uh, actual paper but it's pretty long I haven't read the whole thing yet tldr man yep tldr is free energy for everyone yeah <laughs> <laughs> so there's actually a whole youtube video about this i'm i had not even heard about this before parker were talking about it, so i'm gonna have to watch this yeah, it's that's it's a, it's the uh the video is the um, Oh, it's basically just like the principle. Yeah, it's it's the the professor that's theorized it and and putting forth the research and stuff like that. Huh. Uh Paul Thabato is well, I want to guess that how you pronounce that last name. Oh, okay. So this is wait, let me see here. Did you write this down? Oh, okay. So, so the the title that 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 you wrote down for this article is "Physicists Build Circuit That Generates Clean, Limitless Power from Graphene." But then you go to the YouTube thing, and it says, and the title is "A Potential Source of Clean, Limit Limitless Energy." Yes, is a little bit of a difference in those titles. A little bit of difference there. there. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a, it's just a, interesting to think about it as as a if you take a step back and figure out okay what's what's it actually doing. It's taking thermal energy vibrations and turning it into electricity, much like a piezo is doing the same thing. Okay, so so if that's the case, 
uh, follow me here. Like nothing is free, right? They're, like they're, mm-hmm. there is no such thing as, as limitless energy uh, in terms of um, perpetual motion or, or any kind of device like that. So you always have to input something and you always lose something, right? So this, this device, the input is thermal energy and the output is electrical energy at, in whatever form you take. But if it's consuming thermal energy, then this would cool down whatever is uh, uh, inputting thermal energy, right? So if you take yeah. enough of these and bring and and really utilize it properly, like you would actually make a cooling device out of this, right? I mean, probably like a massively inefficient cooling device. Yeah, well, technically, yeah, but you have to move that that work somewhere, that energy somewhere. Right. And so you'd be heating up somewhere else as well. It's like your air conditioner. It's, your air conditioner is a, is a heat pump. Well, I mean, not not necessarily because uh, you you wouldn't necessarily be heating something else up because you would, you're converting the energy, right? You're converting heat energy into electrical energy, and then that goes somewhere, right? So is that how we solve global warming is by building a lot of these and just charging up a bunch of capacitors? And just letting them sit, right? <laughs> I guess, well, okay, now, now we're really getting into it because a capacitor has internal resistance and it will eventually discharge right and it discharges as heat right across that internal resistance so the net is zero <laughs> yeah well i mean that's the idea right is your net is as close to zero as possible because you're temporarily cooling but yeah. uh you're just storing and heating something else a lot slower yes yeah so. entropy always wins yeah something has to be conserved that's yes. I think that's I think that's what they taught me in school, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, that's the thing is you can temporarily cool some place, but you can you, you I mean that's what how an air conditioner works though. It's like you're you're compressing a gas and expanding that gas somewhere else, but then you're compre- when you compress that gas it gets hot and so you ex- and that's the that's the energy that you're extracting from inside your house and so you dump it outside. Well, and the efficiency is how much hotter the outside gets based off of how cool it gets on the inside, which is why you put an air conditioner inside a room and you run it in a closed room, it's going to get hot. Yes. Well, it's like your refrigerator or same way. That's actually one thing if I was ever able to design my own house is figure out a way to vent the the heat waste of the uh, refrigerator. Hmm. Because, I mean, I, I don't know if you're like, stood around your refrigerator but well, like they get hot. You can fe- yeah you, your feet gets hot because that's where it's exhausting all that that air at hmm. so I, w- I, w- I wonder what percent efficient uh a refrigerator is like how much heat does it produce to produce so much cold like if you're producing well i was about to say wattage but it's going it's probably joules is what you want to talk about yeah so I mean, yeah. like, like I said, with an efficiency, like, yeah. is fifty percent of your of your input energy converted to heat in a in a fridge as opposed to cold, or is it ninety percent? Is it ten percent? I don't know. I have no idea either. Yeah, be interesting to find out. Cool. Maybe someone on our Slack channel knows. Tell us if you are a refrigerator master, because it would not surprise me in the slightest that there's somebody on our Slack channel who's like, I've designed refrigerators since 1856, and I know yeah, all HVAC these answers. engineer. <laughs> we got to, you know, 
this week I saw some some really cool stuff come across the Slack channel. I know we always talk about it and and gush on it a little bit, but like I was really happy earlier this week because I saw somebody just ask some questions and there was just tons of helpful people there. And I was like, there's some there's some weird like purity about our our Slack channel. It hasn't been tainted by the internet yet, and I'm me saying this means that it probably is going to be. Like I, we haven't had any bad apples, and it's just a bunch of good engineers on there who are like. Hey man, I need some help, and there's like 15 people who are like, I can help you. It, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, I was, I was looking at, it, I was like, yeah, this is a good place. I like these people. Cool. Cool. That's my spiel. Join our Slack channel and be a helpful person. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so check this out. I got, I got a new kind of project that I sort of assigned myself at work. Uh, in other words, I pitched something and. The, the owner was like, yeah, go do it. And it's like, okay, great. I just realized like I pitched something and now that means I have to do it. Um, <laughs> so so I, in the past month or two, I've been doing some circuits outside of work that have to do with current sensing because uh, I was doing that current sensing in um, low currents and high voltage uh, situations, which that's still on its way. Um, I just kind of have to save up some fun cash to be able to actually purchase everything. Uh, yeah, those parts were not cheap. Those parts are not cheap, and I've been having to do a lot of work on my house, so like my fun fund is uh, is a little bit dry right now. Yep. Uh, but you say but your furnace is burning it up. Yeah, actually, my furnace is leaking right now, and we got a quote yesterday for a new furnace, and they wanted ten thousand dollars for a new furnace. I'm like, oh god. Can you just put some flex tape on it? I'm thinking about it. I was like, I got a TIG welder. I can just you know, zip some things up and call it good, right? So. Is it what? What is broken on it? Uh, if you run the AC right now, it freezes over and then it just leaks everywhere. Like the 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 evaporation gas. coils apparently are broken somewhere. Uh, uh, so you do have a gas leak, possibly. Your, your your what do they call that? Your refrigerant is what they call it. Yeah, is leaking. Right. Right. Dang. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And of course, the one model that I have, which was from 1997, is like, they only did it that one year, and you can't buy this evaporation coil, and you can't redo this one. You just have to buy a whole brand new unit, right? That's that's the solution, and I don't know. I need some more opinions from other people before yeah. I go dropping $10,000 on new stuff. Yeah, the, the problem with... Uh with welding near refrigerant is usually refrigerant is is flammable oh i was joking about that i'm not Um, i'm not gonna weld my furnace (laughs) i mean for ten thousand dollars if you knew there was no refrigerant in there i probably would give it a shot oh like if i knew if i knew exactly what the problem was and you know flex tape would fix it then then i'd be i'd be all over that but i i have no idea what the problem is The, the the best part is you know, I'm in I'm in Colorado in October right now. I do not need AC. I'm no. I'm doing a okay. It like we just leave the windows open during the day and the house is cool. So I've got a little bit of time to sit on this, and the heater still works. It's just the the uh, the uh, cooler that's not you know up to snuff right now. So I have six months before I have to really worry about this. So did the. I know we're going down a rabbit hole on this one, but this is just me being me. Um, when you had the guy come out, I, I say guy, when you had the technician come out there, um, 
did they tell you where the leak was at? Like, did they actually look for a leak? I'm really skeptical about this person. Um, this is why I'm going to get more than one opinion because we, we got somebody to come out and they're all like, well, we think this is it. Here's a quote for a whole brand new thing. And yeah, that's they're trying yeah, to sell it's, you a new, air, yeah, a it's new really, furnace setup. I'm, um, not, I'm not doing that. I wouldn't. Because usually what you will do is you can either, like, if it still has gas in it, um, you can get a sniffer. Mm-hmm. And you can detect where that gas is at, and then you can figure out what's leaking, because um, you're. Uh, it's usually the coils outside that leak, or your compressor leaks, because like the seals inside the compressor are failing. Yeah. But you said it's like a ninety-seven. Mm-hmm. It's not that old. Uh, when we were purchasing the house, they were saying the they, they were saying the furnace is pretty old. You know, start thinking about you'll eventually need to replace it. Meaning that it, they knew it was leaking and they just put new gas in it. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that was, it was my realtor saying that. I mean... Yeah, no, that's that's what... Oh, it was your realtor. It's my realtor, so that, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. It's not in their interest to, to, do, to tell me that. Yeah. No. Okay. Okay, yeah, back, back to... Back to current sensing. Back to current sensing, fun stuff. Okay, so I, I've, got, I've got current sensing, uh, but a different challenge to kind of tackle with this um so wait let me guess low voltage high amperage no get this it's what it is is i want to sense current but i but all of my circuitry has to be powered by the rail that i want to sense current on so in other words i've got 12 volts coming in and i want all of my op amps and all of my current sense amplifiers to be powered off of 12 but also read that current so once again, I've got a situation where things are not like at first you kind of think about it and you just, you know, if you just write out Ohm's law on a piece of paper, you're like, oh, well, this works, right? Well, it's, it's never that easy because uh, if you try to take, say, a, just a Joe Schmo op amp, pick any jelly bean op amp and you power it off of the, a 12 and a negative 12 volt rail and then you try to measure a voltage drop at 12 volts, that op amp's going to start crying and get mad at you because uh, its input range is not optimal for doing that. So, uh, you know, I think it would be really fun one day to uh, kind of do a deeper dive into like selecting op amps and and how different kinds of op amps. Because like if you go to Mauser and you just type in op amps, like if this is your first circuit that you're you're going out and you know, you, and and someone's like, hey, you need an op amp for this application. You go to Mauser, and there's like thirty five thousand choices. It's like, oh my god! Like, it, I didn't there's know not there an option two. for ideal, right? Yeah, all of them are ideal, right? Yeah, it's just you just pick whichever brand you the like. Category ideal op amp, Mauser. <laughs> yeah, price infinite, uh, <laughs> limitless power. <laughs> so um, it's actually kind of fun to get into these situations because uh when when you start getting into these weird configurations you start to see why op amps are uh different and why you have all these unique characteristics so so for an op to pick an op amp that works in this kind of situation you need there's a category called current sense amplifiers that are designed with this kind of uh circuitry in mind where you're going to measure something that's at or above actually your power rail. Um, and in fact, I found some, some examples of some current sense amplifiers that I think would work well in these kinds of applications. I, I haven't really done a huge amount of digging on this, so I don't know if I'll use these ones, but I think they could work out 
Um, these are from Texas Instruments. They they are the INA 1X9 series of current sense amplifiers, which are actually I don't have it pulled up anymore, but I, I think they're called current shunt amplifiers. Um, and and so they're actually really convenient. So so these uh, amplifiers allow you to have completely independent common mode range and power supply range. So you can power them from a few volts and have common mode voltages all the way up to like 60 volts. As long as your differential input range doesn't exceed things, this, this op amp is still happy. So you can have common mode inputs way above your power supply rail, which is pretty much exactly what I'm looking for, even though my input common mode is the same as my power uh, rail. These are kind of designed for this exact situation. And and the big thing is that statement there about the supply and the common mode range are independent of each other. That's where it gets really nice for these op amps. The cool thing is with these op amps is they actually have a current output as opposed to a voltage output. So they actually have a transistor right on the output. And uh, what that allows you to do is you can put a load on it and control the gain that you want based off of what load you choose. So it, it's like a gain selection based purely off of resistance. And then, you know, put that into a, uh, uh, a to D or, or do whatever else you want to do with it. Whatever, um, signal conditioning you need makes it, makes it really easy. So yeah, I just want to kind of, uh, highlight that I was, I was playing around within my head earlier today because I was like, I want this to be cheap and I want this to be really simple because this is not like, I'm not reinventing the wheel or doing anything magical here. So what do I really need? And um, the biggest problem I was going through in my head is like, okay, I've got power rails and I'm wanting to measure the power rails, but I'm also want to power all my circuitry from it. That instantaneously means no Josh mode jelly bean op amps. So yep, op amps are cool. Yeah, we should have that big talk because I my my biggest thing on op amps is yeah I go to like Mauser or Digikey and like select like a style like a type and then like okay my supply voltage is five volts select that okay what's the cheapest one <laughs> <laughs> for my applications that usually is fine yeah yeah ninety ninety nine percent of the time most time it's instrument I use instrumentational amplifiers because I'm trying to you know measure a sensor or something right yeah. so. Really, really, really high input impedance, right? Yes. Yeah. Usually that's the case. And low offset, low yep. input current, things like that. It, it's, it, I don't know. Like, so much of what we learn in our electronic classes just do not prepare you for that at all. Like, well, they, they teach you, like, here's all the configurations of an op amp, like, like, you know, the feedback loops and stuff like that, where in the grand scheme of things, doesn't really matter i guess i want to say and that's a loaded statement there but i'd rather have learned about the different types of op amps and what they do for you and like how you hook those up and use them well yeah yeah and here is calculate the low pass with these three you know resistors and the capacitor it's like oh and the feedback loop goes through like this infinite one ohm grid calculate the resistance <laughs> of that oh my gosh i remember that yeah where it was like resistors in series and parallel and series and yeah. parallel like infinitely and it's like long. if you pick any two points on this infinite grid what is the resistance it's yeah. just like when am i ever going to build that <laughs> right right and yeah why why does it yet yeah. i mean i get ah, it but They're we can build it. it with graphene <laughs> and get infinite energy yes 
Yeah. <laughs> if anyone knows any uh, op amp masters who want to come and and talk about op amp stuff, let us know. That'd be cool. Oh yeah. That sounds like a good place to end this podcast too. Yeah. Don't for you sure. have anything else about op amps? I I mean I could probably go on for a while, but I think that's good for this topic. I'll I'll give an update when I have uh, something actually working with this. Cool. Oh, speaking of updates, my my uh, breakout board for the energy harvesting um, solar panel energy harvester. Oh, for the cat, cat feeder unreminder. Yes. So that arrived. So hopefully, I'm I want to be able to test that by like next week. So that'd be fun. Nice. I haven't opened up the package yet. I think it came from like Norway, somewhere in Europe, and a European country that snows a lot. I think. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> all of them? No, it's not all of them. Most of them. Are there, yeah, that, never mind. I'm going to say something that shows I do not know geography. <laughs> so that was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We are your hosts, Parker Dolan. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy.